I will try and cover some grounds today and then uh, wrap up and, and end the microphone to our dads who is in the house. So, so looking forward to the ministry. Now, to tag on what uh, Bishop Freddy was saying, I, I want to, you know, start, start probably with some sad uh, issues. He was 39, leading a church of over 3,000 people when he went missing. Wife, uh, overwhelmed family church, and a search was initiated to find the pastor. Three days later, they find him in Miami with his suitcase. He has lost his mind. And they're asking him, where were you? He tells stories that do not make sense. So the story makes headlines the pastor loses his mind, went missing, finally found, is not in good uh, state. And then same year, he was 40, running a church of over 3,000 people. Told his wife in the morning, go ahead to church, uh, I'm coming. The wife and brother-in-law and children drove to this wonderful church, sang, prayed, worshipped, waited for the senior man. The pastor is nowhere to be found. And eventually, the wife is worried, tells the brother, would you drive back home and find out what is your brother-in-law doing because it's time to preach? Only to find that the pastor killed himself. Same year, it makes headlines. This time around, he's 42. He's PhD, running a church of over 3,000 people, running 44,000 and plus. Fantastic speaker. Preaches his sermon, his church is packed. The service is over, speaks the last benediction as people were walking to the exit as a gunshot in the church. When they turn around, the pastor have just spoken about the power of God and the God who loves have just killed himself at the pulpit. Same year. Recently, the upcoming pastor, very popular, liked by people, running also in excess of 3,000 people, took his life. Now you begin to think, if numbers is what we are after as pastors, these guys have 3,000 and above, why did they kill themselves? And then your brain begin to try, spin and wrap itself around what is happening to pastors, as Bishop Freddie was saying. Surveys have been conducted, studies made, and they wanted to figure out what is the biggest challenge that pastors do face. 
And the result came back. Discouragement. The number one issue that every man of God is dealing with is an issue of discouragement. But you know how things go. A discouraged pastor leads a discouraged church. A discouraged church leads discouraged families. Discouraged families leads to discouraged society. So that's what for me, the topic and the theme we're dealing with around courage is so important. And I know, starting with our own presiding bishop and all the great, great men of God have spoken, you know, Bishop Freddy have just moved us to tears with the message. And I want to deal with the issue of don't lose heart. Basically, don't get discouraged. So that's the title of our message. And I want you to turn to five people who look discouraged. And tell them, don't lose heart. Come on, go ahead and speak to them. Keep preaching, keep preaching to somebody. So we're going to read two scriptures that will be a frame of our talk today. And I would like to really, really talk because it's the backside of our conference. We are landing and, and I've been really, really in prayer. Lord, how do we tie everything that you said? Because when it's one theme and one topic, repetition can happen. But repetition is healthy. Because this is how we get to know. But I wanted as well to pick up the movement of heaven. To find out, how do we finish this? And God says, deal with the issue of discouragement. Because that is a silent killer in our churches. A woman who lifts up her hands, singing to the Lord, ready to commit suicide. A man who prays loud, but is drug addicted. And when you challenge them, why are you doing this? Say there was no way out. Let's look at the issue of discouragement and how to avoid it and beat it. Ezra chapter 4, verse 4. Would you read with me? If you have the scripture, put it there, and then let's read together. One, two, three. Can you find NIV? You know, King James is not for Christians. <laughs> I'm sorry. You know, yeah. Let's find NIV. <laughs> I'm sorry, Bishop. You know I love you. Yeah. All right. This is the word of the Lord. <laughs> One, two, three. This is the word. The people around them said that to discourage the people of Judah and make them afraid to go on building. Given a vision by God 
You put your youth on the line because you are following God's agenda. In the middle of building that vision, people get you discouraged. You dream dreams of having a family because this guy has fallen in love with you. And just when you open up your heart, a space where few women open, and you are nearly there, he dumps you. And you say, I will not trust men anymore. I've been reflecting a lot. You know, we do church all the time. You know, <laughs> Bishop was traveling. He came back and then we went to Europe and I saw him preaching like, wow, I thought, Lord, he needs prayer. <laughs> and we finished preaching. He has done, you know, two services back to back, praying for people, lines and lines of people. We are rushing to the airport. The minute we land, they're here waking and now it's, it's been almost a week. And I thought, why do we go to church all the time as people of God? Why do we meet as a people of God, whether it's cell group or this one or special meetings? What is it that you're after? Well, there could be many reasons. But let me propose to you something that your heart is after. Maybe you've never found a way of articulating it. Everybody who comes to church wants to get God's opinion on issues concerning life. That's the truth about coming. You go, what do I do with this issue I'm facing? How do I deal with finance? How do I deal with a child out of order? How do I deal with discouragement? God, do you have anything to say about this subject? But you know, if we came to church only to get God's opinion, then God will be a dictionary. But God is more than a dictionary. We come to church to find out if God has a solution to a problem. Two things. God, what do you think about what I'm going through? God, how can I solve what I'm going through? That's how you tackle preaching. And these guys are not different from us. To get from the starting block, everybody starts. It's when you do life. I'm not talking about just preaching and church. Just life. Being alive long enough will discourage you. <laughs> if it's not people, your body. At our age, you go to sleep, your eyes hurting you, you wake up, your back is hurting you. You don't know what happened between night and morning. The spirit is willing to jump, but the body said no. Discouragement have taken pastors from people's standpoint who have succeeded. They have the money, they have the education, they have numbers, they are popular, they are Instagram, Facebook, anything that you put yourself. And yet, no enemy killed them. 
They stuffed their lives with their own hands. Now, if you don't deal with real issues, we will have the same issue. Look at verse 24, same chapter. Would you read that one with me, please? Isn't it amazing? One discouragement leads to standstill. Now, any Bible reader will understand the second year of, of the reign of Darius is not just a writing. Between the starting time of the building to this time, it's 16 years of work stopped. I wonder today how many of us have put your dreams on pause. Because of one discouragement. I wonder today how many people have closed up to the possibility of getting married again because of what has happened. I wonder today how many people are in our auditorium right now who have folded their hands for years and years in the church because you are serving in a church and you got hurt. Discouragement is a deadly enemy. Look at the thesis that I want you to see. One of the common, common threads and tactics of the enemy, if you want to disrupt progress, is to discourage. Our technical team will put up there and then write that thesis. It's very important because every time you face a challenge, remember, every disruption in your progress is caused, number one, by discouragement. Always. So if discouragement can destroy at this level, then you have to think, how do we deal with the issue? Let me throw a couple of things before I move to the solution. I wanted to understand, first of all, what, what is this thing we call discouragement? You know, why is, where does it come from? The devil is the father of discouragement. And what, in essence, discouragement does, it makes you lose two things. The first thing that discouragement does, it makes you lose confidence. Hello? That's why discouragement is so tough because it makes you lose confidence, one, in yourself. Remember Elijah? Not that Elijah. Elijah, you know where you took your name from. <laughs> he said it's me. You know. Elijah had two missions that God had given him. Number one, bring revival in the land. Two, bring reformation. Those were two jobs that Elijah, uh, Elijah came to do in his time. He faced the prophet of Baal, Asherah, did what he did, brought fire from heaven. Everything, you know, it's going well. You know, the prophet are killed, the nation is cleansed, people declare finally, eternal is God, eternal is God. Happy are the people whose God is Lord. And in that euphoria, 
of revival. Finally, people understand their identity and their mission because that's what revival is. I have to move to phase two, reformation. Bring things as things should be in a society. But Elijah didn't know that there was a lady who knew how to talk. She is called Jez. <laughs> Jez sends a message. Tell that guy. I will take him out. Wait a minute, Elijah. You confronted the king face to face. You stood against 850 prophets all by yourself. You prayed fire came from heaven. How can you be discouraged because of Jez? Because what life does to you, it chips to your soul little by little. Challenge after challenge, issue after issue. Without you knowing, your soul is being destroyed. All it takes is one little thing for you to tip and people go, I cannot believe it. The great prophet is running away from a woman he didn't see. He heard. How many of us have put our lives on pause because you heard that someone said? There's no confirmation. You didn't talk with the people, but you just heard. A friendship is broken of over many years because you heard. I think it was Prof. Tsepo Mungalo who said, don't take permanent decision for temporary issues. This is what discouragement is. It makes you feel I'm not good enough. Elijah said, kill me. God says, I didn't call you to kill you. I called you to use you. But he said, no, the reason I want you to, to kill me because I'm not better than my forefathers. But when you check, why was he discouraged? Was it because of Jez? I don't think so. It's accumulation of life's pressure. From food where you have to trust God daily that the raven will not eat my food. <laughs> because, hey, buddy, you know, you know, it's a risk. He brought day one, but you don't know. You know, this thing lacks meat. Now God is giving it meat to give to me. So <laughs> it is a struggle. But Zex, faith is a struggle. That's what Paul said, fight the good fight of faith. Just to believe God every day. Listen, I'm an open book. What nearly killed me when the ministry started in Cape Town, you know, I, I used to serve in a huge thing, was just to believe God that people will come. My friend, I got so tired every Sunday just to think, and if nobody comes. 
And if you come, it's only you and your wife. And if, so you, before you stand and preach, you're so fatigued. If you've been in a church where the pastor says, where are the people? And then you're wondering, are we spirit or what? Because, you know, we're sitting in front of you, you're looking for people. Oh, no. Grace Bible Church, you will not understand because you've graduated. Ask any church planter. He will tell you, you are counting chairs. Nobody comes. Yeah, Kongelani goes, yes, you're a prophet. It's tough. So it's those little things that when a tipping point comes, you are shocked. But you don't just lose confidence in self. You lose confidence in others. That's the problem. And yet it's proven 75% of the solutions to your problem are hidden in other people. But what discouragement does, you become cynical. Every time you see people in a group, you think it's you they're talking against. Oh, I know, you, you will never understand this because you don't understand David. What did he do? He risked his life for somebody else's kingship. But the king was discouraged. One song from ladies. One song. With numbers mixed up. Instead of giving me 10,000, you gave to the wrong person. It became a problem. Because when a man lets you down, you begin to paint every man. Now, let me talk. You've invited me. I'm here anyway. I will never trust any man anymore. What did men do to you? What Thomas did. Thomas is not everybody. Please, sister, look at me. Oh, come on, let's. I'm preaching, I'm preaching, I'm preaching. Listen, listen. For every crazy Thomas, there are a thousand good shallows. Hey! Hallelujah. My word, my word, my word. You cannot put your life on pause because somebody betrayed your trust. Women, women are devils. They are not. Your fiance was a devil. My wife is not a devil. My prophetess is not a devil. Come on, get alive. Hallelujah. For every crazy person you find there, there are a thousand better people. Trust again. Open up again. Pastors in church, don't run this race alone. Open up to friendship. There are good pastors out there. Bishop Sono is more than my brothers, by far. This is a man I've made the covenant. You know, I've never told you now I'm saying of it. I've made the covenant before God. There will never go a day 
without praying for them by name. Never. And it has never happened. Because my decision was simple. My wife and my children have to know who is my friend. They should never be confused. We live in a society where everybody's your friend. And nobody knows what friendship means. You go to the feeding station. Hi, my friend, how are you? You're not my friend. Put petrol, I'm going. So we have diluted something powerful because you don't understand what it means. Facebook friends that you have never seen. If you ever have a friend, you don't even know his surname and you're calling him friend. This is my best, best friend, John. John who? Oh. But number three, you lose confidence in God. That's what discouragement does. Eventually when things go south and you don't understand why things are going wrong when you do all you do, you begin to question God. How many times we heard, if God was there, why it did happen? Listen, black people are blaming God for land. If God was God, why did he allow white people to take all the land? Now, white people are blaming God for land without compensation that they want to God is confused. You know, you don't want me, they don't want me. Because when people go crazy, we blame the wrong person. Tell your neighbor, don't lose heart. Because every time you take a risk of being discouraged, you disrupt your progress. Always. Why is it important? Because the three players to your progress are the three players that discouragement removes from you. It's you, it's others, it's God. The devil is a liar. We will trust again. But the second thing that discouragement is, is loss of hope. That's what discouragement is. So the danger of being discouraged is because you become hopeless. Now most of us have never made word studies. You know, there's what you call in Bible interpretation, the law of first mention. You know, if you want to understand the word, find that way it's mentioned for the first time. Now that word hope is mentioned for the first time with Rahab, the prostitute. That rope she put, that is hope in Hebrew. The soldiers don't know where I live. The soldiers don't know me. But they know. If they see the rope, I can be spared. And the Bible says we have this hope as the anchor for the soul that is deeply rooted in Christ. Whatever comes, I know, one day, Jesus will come. But what discouragement does, it removes the future 
and brings you to the present. Listen, life is not stopping today. If it didn't work today, there's tomorrow. If tomorrow doesn't work, there's next week. If next week doesn't work, there's next year. Come on, begin to trust again. Because the people were discouraged, the work came to a standstill. I wonder this afternoon how many projects have come to a standstill. How many visions have come to a standstill? How many marriages have come to a standstill? How many dreams have come to a standstill? Because of discouragement. I joke a lot about my own life because it's, it's a gospel. I can preach my life. And I think I told you. And I, I don't know, I fell in love with Toyota Camry for some reason. And I trusted God with everything. Lord, I'm praying and fasting, I will have a Toyota Camry. Year one, year two, year three, no Toyota. <laughs> Let alone no Camry. Without me knowing something begin to die in me. And I said, maybe Toyota Camry is too much for God. Yeah. I say, let me scale down. Lord, any Toyota you can find. I'll take it. And I prayed, then I fasted, and I waited. Now, Bishop never told you. You know, we apologize. We made you. The first time he came, we took him at the airport in a backy. <laughs> There's a driver, there's me and Bishop in the midst the first time. <laughs> and I, I thought he thought, what is going on? <laughs> to make it worse, you know, he comes from another culture. Our culture is to kiss, you know. Thank God that, you know, now they see where I took it from when we were in France. He comes, this is the first time, and I'm kissing him. <laughs> and I thought he thought, my word, <laughs> you know, is this guy normal or what? <laughs> so <laughs> that's our relationship. Now, it doesn't stop at the kissing. It doesn't stop at, you know, backy. We go to the church. We have such a tiny church. And there's no car to take instrument. The guest speaker is carrying a speaker. I'm carrying another one. This is... Come on, give him prayer. Give, give him a clap offering. My word. That's how we started. That's how we started our relationship. You know. Just think with me. First time you get to a church, you are getting a, a speaker, they're kissing you. <laughs> My word, it was quite something. You want some more? I put him in a student's apartment. And there was stuff in the bed. I don't know how you call those, you know, small insects that bite people. My word. In the morning, the guest speakers raid everywhere. And I thought, here goes Bishop Sonny, will never come back again. And he came, 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 and he kept coming. 
That's what friendship is. Hallelujah. What was my issue? When things go wrong, without you knowing, you begin to lower your expectation. Slowly, I stopped dreaming. When the Toyota didn't come, I said, Lord, anything that moves on the road, give it to me. And God gave me a Mazda 323. That was a curse. Because once you reach 80 kilometers an hour, the Mazda starts going. And I'm thinking, Lord, what's going on? Oh. You drive, you reach 120, the bonnet flies. So therefore, you cannot drive it on a highway without somebody. And someone is carrying the bonnet. The fuel gauge doesn't show, so it's by faith. Now, I'm sorry, that's, that's my life. Now you begin to think, what happened between Toyota Camry to anything that moves? Discouragement. There are ladies in this house. You had the dream and the profile of a man. But the race against your age, you are prepared to take anything that happened. Oh, my, my, my word, my word, my word. Let, let me come this side, let me come this side. Yes, I'm preaching, I'm preaching. You invited me. The devil is a liar. The devil is a liar. Don't settle for less than your vision. Hallelujah. Young man, you dreamed of becoming an engineer because of complication of finance. Now you're 35. You're about to give up. Don't give up. Get back to school. Study. Finish. One of our common friends, he never went, he never got his high school diploma. Uh, how do you call it? Uh, yeah, high school certificate. Until he was 42, he decided to go back to school. At age 42, he went and got his certificate. He said, I might as well go to university. Listen, listen, listen. He went to university, studied, got his master's degree. He said that Matthew has finished the whole thing. He became a PhD. As we're talking to you now, he's a dean of faculty at a leading university in America. Listen. Some of you know him. It's Bishop Bobby Hill. Don't stop dreaming. Now, it's easy to say, okay, you know, don't get discouraged. But how do you solve the problem of discouragement? Let's read together. Second Corinthians chapter 4. We'll read verse 1, skip, go to verse 6, and then skip. We will see how we go uh, for the sake of time. And I want us to read loud in English. Okay? Good. 
So if your neighbor cannot read in English, just pretend that he's reading, you know, just for fun. One, two, three. We do not lose heart. Because God has called us. He has given us his glorious Holy Spirit. Whatever life is throwing at us, we decide we shall never be discouraged. Verse 6. You're doing very well. Read with me. Keep, keep rolling, keep rolling, keep rolling, keep rolling. You're doing well. Keep reading in English. Ten. Let's keep, let's go to verse 13. You're doing well. 13. No, no, no. 13. For the sake of time. Read it again. 13, 13. Go back to 13 and read it loud. The only spirit that can play a role of an antidote against discouragement is the spirit of faith. When you take a spirit of faith, regardless of what happens to you, you will never be discouraged. And then Paul kept, you know, writing, we don't have time to do this, but I want to give you four ingredients to cultivate a spirit of faith. Once you have it, Jezebel can show up. You will still move on. Once you have it, regardless of what life throws at you, you will bounce back again. And that's the whole topic of courage. It's God is telling you, you have dreams. Keep going after those dreams. Now, Paul is an extraordinary theologian. He writes stuff that takes a long time for you to understand his intelligence. And he's encouraging this church that is struggling with the issue of, you know, the issues in church and this one is fighting with that one. And it came to a place where somebody is sleeping with, you know, his, his father's wife. It's, it's, it's just complicated. And the church is discouraged. And Paul uses his own example. But listen, what you, have, you are going through, I've gone through worse than that. But let me help you see how you can cultivate an antidote against discouragement. And then he speaks about this spirit of faith. He mentioned four things. I want to give them to you quickly in bullet points. Number one, he said you must recalibrate your perspective. 
Oh, tell your neighbor, neighbor, neighbor. recalibrate your perspective. No, 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 that neighbor is not anointed. Speak to the other neighbor. Say, neighbor, neighbor. recalibrate your perspective. What does it mean? Paul is saying, things happen to all of us. But the reaction between, that becomes different between people depending on how you interpret what happens to you. Let me repeat again. The way you interpret life will determine your attitude toward life. And Paul is a smart guy. Very, very smart. He uses four paradox. You know, paradox is just something that seems to be contradictory, but all the truth. And he goes, I'll tell you what my life was. He said, number one, I was such under pressure. Bishop Eddie, Freddie. Pressure of ministry. Stuff were not going on. But he said, as I was under pressure, I was not knocked down. Oh, let me preach. I might not have money, but as long as I have a brain. Oh, no, 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 no. Let me try. I might have a Christian here. I might not have a big house yet. As long as I have hands. I might have broken my leg. As long as I still have one leg, I will limp. Life will throw curveballs to you. But if you focus on what is happening, you will sit down. Focus on what you have. What Paul is teaching us is a simple principle of perspective. Anything that happened to you, it could have been worse than that. My wife, she's, she's a soft-spoken and just an angel of God. You know, so... She has been my wife for 35 years. You know, she might be an angel. <laughs> and every time we meet, we reach a hard rock. And she knows this guy is losing his bearing. She will just say in a simple way, my husband, think about it. It could have been worse. And I know exactly what she means. I will be empty pocket. I go take a shower. Put perfume. Put a suit and a tie. And I'm walking. Because I want to preach to my problems. Problems? Leave me alone. I'm dressing up. Listen, there are people who don't have money, but they don't even have their mind. But at least I have my mind. There are people who don't have money, they don't have membership anymore. But you still have 20 people coming. Everything in life, it's about perspective. Paul says, I'm under pressure, but I'm not defeated. 
And then he goes on and he says, hey, I'm confused. I am so encouraged that even Paul was confused. He said, I'm so confused, but I'm not hopeless. Confusion is simply, I have not enough information to deal with this. It happens to all of us. Our presiding bishop will tell you, so many times I've asked him, you know, any other new technique to grow the numbers? <laughs> and then he, eventually he's tired. He goes, hey, my friend, I don't know. <laughs> so when your boss doesn't know, it's just a polite way to say, enjoy those that you have. <laughs> it's, it's, life is what it is. If you want to understand everything, you will go crazy. How can you be so holy, so pure, and then you're waiting for a child for seven years, there's nothing. And the, there's a prostitute who doesn't want any child, she falls pregnant. You cannot explain. How can you explain with all the degrees that you have like a thermometer? You don't have money. And there's a woman who didn't even finish primary school. She's employing you. I'm confused. But I'm not hopeless. Where does hope come from? Trust in me. Come on, give it to me. Trust in me. The hope of glory. The first thing that will give you victory over discouragement is perspective. When the devil throws the worst to you, think it could have been worse than this. When you feel like giving up, take the young evangelist from Australia. What is his name? He doesn't have limbs. Nikki, when you think you have a problem, take Nikki's video, watch. He's smiling, he's cracking jokes, he's doing all this stuff. Tell your neighbor you don't have a problem. Change your perspective. Come on, give him praise. Hallelujah. That's number one. Let's rush to finish. Two, clarify your perception. That's the second thing that you do. The spirit of faith, Paul is explaining, and I'm trying to explain chapter 4 of, of 2 Corinthians. He goes, the reason why I conquered every discouragement and I moved in a spirit of courage regardless of what happens to me, one, I had the proper perspective. I'm confused, but I'm not hopeless. I'm under pressure. I'm not abandoned. And it goes on and on and on, the paradox. But number two is perception. I think it was Bishop Freddie who quoted Isaiah chapter 6. That is a... In the year king, give it to me, did what? What happened? Let me try this side until you get it. 
இன்றைய Let me try that side. In the air, I did what? Let's paraphrase. In the air, I ran out of money. I saw the Lord. <laughs> In the air, my wife left me. I saw the Lord. In the air, I was fired. I saw the Lord. If you see the Lord, nothing matters anymore. Come on. Hallelujah. What the devil does is to make you see things that you shouldn't be seeing. Except what you should be seeing. The secret to life is to see God in every circumstance. With an empty fridge, I see the Lord. <laughs> With a car I cannot fix, I see the Lord. If you see the Lord, you have seen life. Because Uzziah might be dead, but the Lord of Uzziah is not dead. Your finance might be in trouble, but the God who owns it all is not dead. Listen, let me change my story and give you the better one. Remember Mazda? It was a matter of time. <laughs> oh, my word. I have to say it. I must. I should. I have. I will. God is so good that when you want to solve a problem, he solves it at God level. I'm struggling with this thing. You know, I was, I was aiming for, you know, Camry. And Camry didn't work. I went all the way down to anything that moves. He gave it to me. But it was pain. Then I made friendship with this white lady. She's an Africana. Africana. She's unsaved. She swears like there's no tomorrow. You know, this is a profile. And then this day, for some reason, I just felt the prompting of the Holy Spirit to go pay a visit. Brand new friendship. As I get to a place, lo and behold, she's doing what she does best. She's saying stuff. I'm going, she's swearing and cursing. And I go, hey, 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 hey. You know, with my broken English, what's going on? And then she pointed to the Mercedes and she Curse the car. And I said, what happened? And then she said something about her. We not repeat we're in church. <laughs> and said, tomorrow I'm throwing it. I'll buy a brand new car. My bishop. <laughs> I feel the spirit of faith rising in me. And I go, ask for the car because it will be thrown tomorrow. And I go, okay, if you're throwing it, give it to me. She goes, take it otherwise. And she... 
<laughs> oh my word, my word, my word, my word. I run quickly, get my brother. We are pushing this thing with a speed of light. In case she changes her mind, before she changes, let's go. Push the car, got in the garage and locked it so that she doesn't even see where the car is. And then my brother finds a mechanic. The guy comes and checks the engine. It's a rubber worth 100 rand. That's all that was faulty on the car. A rubber worth 100 rand. It fixes the car. I am driving on a highway. Revenge time. Look what the Lord has done. Hallelujah. Woo. In the year I didn't have a car, I saw the Lord. And this is the good news. From that Mercedes, without exaggerating, I have been given brand new Mercedes seven times. Brand new. Because God is teaching you something, I can do it. I can handle it. I can fix it. I can do everything if you can see me. One of the things you have to learn as a courageous Christian, see the Lord when the devil wants you to see something else. Who do you see? Today, change your question. Don't ask anymore, what do I see? Ask, who do I see? There's God in charge of the affairs of men. There's, Bishop, God is not afraid of a thousand. He can bring the thousand churches by tomorrow. He's very God. He's too God. He's too big. He's too capable. See the Lord. And discouragement will run away. I told you, you know, I, I can preach stories. One of the biggest challenges we had when the church started, he can tell you our story, he started with us from day one, was membership. We didn't have members. So I will fast and pray because I, I really fast and pray. And especially when you're under pressure. <laughs> then I'll fast and pray, fast and pray, and ask God. And the Lord will respond to me again and again. Son, in my kingdom, to bring people and to bring money are the easiest thing. And I said, Lord, you don't understand. I have no people, no money. Silver and gold I do not have. <laughs> and then with his help and then we're working, back there the church is 350 people. I come the next Sunday. Our church doubled in one Sunday. Yeah. Our church doubled in one Sunday. From 350 to 700, one Sunday. Boom. Done. We have moved from one congregation to 43. Because God can handle anything. 
if you can see the Lord. Let's rush. Number three. Change your perspective. Clarify your perception. Number three. Increase your proclamation. Nothing changes until you say it. Life and death are under the power of your tongue. If you learn to use your tongue, you will eat the fruit of it. Speak the word into your situation. Jesus, what's up? Lazarus is sleeping. Because if he sleeps, we can wake him up. Oh, my back is killing me. You will die. Nobody loves me. Nobody loves me. Even the few loved you, they will hate you. Because life and death. What changes in life is not truth. It's reality. Let me try again. What changes in life, it's not truth. It's reality. If you apply truth on your reality as medicine... Reality will adjust to truth. Let me give you a little secret. You know, she's not here, but uh, I take the liberty to talk about her. Uh, she's my wife anyway. We were so broke that broke was promotion. You know, you know, we had to find something less than broke. And then my wife will do something bizarre. She will stand in front of an empty fridge. Say, you fridge, you will never be empty another day. She proclaims it for weeks, for months and months. She will go to the food pantry and speak to the food pantry. She will declare stuff. And I'm thinking, but guess what? Tomato comes. Onion comes. It's not much, but you're putting it in the fridge, you know, just to fill the space. And then it's cucumber. By the time we realize, chicken begins to follow. And I said, my wife, keep saying it, it's working. Keep saying it, it's working. Keep saying it, it's working. Hallelujah. As we speak now, at any given time, Fridge is plenty. Deep freeze are plenty. We always take food to members of church to keep for us. Because when you speak the truth, the truth has to command reality to change. Listen, even if you're born in poverty, poverty is not your share. Begin to proclaim riches, prosperity. Walk like a rich man. If you don't have a car yet, go to a scrap, uh, how do you call it, scrapyard. Borrow some keys. Just walk with the keys. Declare your car. It will come. It will come. It will come. That's how things change. 
There's no other miracle. Oh, my bishop, remember our friend Ezekiel? And not you. <laughs> you are so popular, you are even in the Bible. Ezekiel saw dry bones. Very, very, very dry. But God didn't tell him, oh, Ezekiel, we're in trouble. Ezekiel, look out there dry. Ezekiel, you should get a wife and, you know, maybe create children. No. He just told Ezekiel, speak. Oh, no, 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 no. Let me try. There's a prophet right here. There's a prophet on this side. Speak to your situation. But what is God telling Ezekiel to say? He's not telling to tell dry bones, look how dry you are. He said, tell the dry bone, come to life. Declare life in your finance. Declare life in your family. Declare life all over your children. Declare life in your career. Declare life in your business. You will see what will happen. My wife is not, a, you have seen her, she's not big. You know, I'm, I'm big. She, she's, she's small. But she prays, you know, sometimes when I finish praying, I just listen to her prayers. Uh, while I'm talking in tongues. So I'm listening. And then she, she, she used to put her hands on her tummy. And tell the Lord, no failure will come out of this. No failure will come out of this. No failure will come out of this. She will pray over children, declaring, if you gave it to this woman, they will turn out to be powerful men and women. And guess what? It happened. Declare love of your children. Say stuff over your church. It will begin to change. 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 I declare 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 it will begin to change. That our life changes. Proclaim the word of God. Proclaim the word of God. Declare the word of God. Declare it. Proclaim it. Life will change. Fundis, remember our story at the retreat with Brother Abraham? God is dangerous. Yeah, I know this is not marriage seminar, but let, let me conclude with this. I, I said it there. I'm repeating. Abraham is 100. Sarah is 90. Nothing works. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. You are, you are too young for this teaching. That I'm speaking to the bishops. <laughs> and the Lord said... Abby, change your name. Abby, don't uh, change your name. Change Mama Sarah's name. Abraham, Sarah, what are they declaring? What sounds crazy to the other guy? Father of multitude, mother of prince and princesses. Ninety and hundred. One night, something works. No, 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 not you, the bishops only. You, you, you didn't. Change. It works. Huh? 
Sarah, are, are you feeling something? And then the next minute is laughter. Isaac is born. Out of what? Isaac will be born. Isaac will be born. The impossible will become possible in Jesus' name. He will be born. But the power of that story is not the birth of Isaac. Mama Sarah dies. Father Abraham is still alive. He yanks a younger woman. He makes her pregnant five times. <laughs> it's in your Bible. I'm not making story. Read. He was strong until he was buried. If the guy was alive... <laughs> What is it? Once you proclaim it, it sticks. For people who want to know the miracle and the secret of grace, it is that. Once this couple got it right, every place grace is planted, it will grow. Simple. You can hurt them, you can be jealous, you will die. Grace is bound to grow because once it sticks, it sticks. That's the truth. Let's finish. What is the last point? The last point is this. Redouble your perseverance. That's what faith is all about. You know, I've just broken it down to very practical thing. Spirit of faith is what it is. When you hear the Bible talks about spirit of faith, chapter 4 of Corinthians, this is what Paul is talking about. Begin to Interpret life in a positive way. Two, see God more than you see circumstances. Three, align your world with the word of God. But four, outlast the devil. Just keep standing until the devil is mad and tired of you standing. How do we finish this? with a cool story. There was a guy, he's still in our church, and the wife is still in our church. He loved the lady very much. And the lady didn't love him very much. <laughs> he did all he could. She just go, <laughs> But he kept on pushing. He kept on pushing. And one day, miracle. She says yes. Finally, after years. And I, I do the wedding. You know, the ceremony. Once I finish, I say anything to tell each other. The guy shouts, Mission accomplished! And I'm thinking, this is strange. How do you get married in this way? Now I call him aside and say, hey, you know, what is that thing of mission accomplished? I say, I pursued that lady. I never thought it would work. But from tonight, 
Uh, uh, you know, that's, that's him. Okay, love you all. Bless you. Bye-bye. Yeah. Oh, bless you, bless you, bless you.